0: This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapyansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com.
1: Okay, we want to first mention, uh, the L.A. community in general has been blessed a lot of chashev Talmidi chachamim and rashi yeshiva that came to visit, and uh, and in our neighborhood in particular, there's been a there's been a lot of uh, opportunity for B'nai tayr to come together to listen to diber tayr from esteemed rashi yeshiva, and one of those families in Pico Roberts in Beverlywood that really have a big and in. Uh, in, in helping spread Torah is the Hertz family. Their house is always open. They they do so much. They're, uh, they're a they're beautiful addition to the to the whole community. And it's a special schuz to have with us, Reb Baruch Lipianski Shlita, one of the unique Talmidei Chachamim we have in our country that is able to spread Torah many different areas. A big uh, a big hekif. And tonight he's going to speak about. The life of Tam, which is a fascinating topic, not something that usually you'll hear, and it's a, it's a great opportunity. I'm personally very excited, and we want to thank the Rosh Hashiva for tonight. People coming. It's a, obviously it's right after Shabbos and uh, people waited till Rabbeinu Tam, so it's uh, <laughs> to be able to come. So it's uh, just to have the Rosh Hashiva and uh, to address us on this topic.
0: Rabbi Lopiansky is here also with Rabbi Murkin on behalf of the Yeshiva of Great Washington. And it's a beautiful Mossad and really is a trailblazing uh, entity in the fact that outside of the New York, New Jersey area, uh, there really are Yeshivas that have developed in such a way. And certainly, it's due to the vision of Rabbi Murkin and the uh, incredible, incredible gifts of Rabbi Lopiansky. And anybody would like to help the Yeshiva, I think uh, they would probably be. Happy to meet with you, and um, so after this presentation, very happy, very happy—not happy. just happy, but very happy. Uh, mm-hmm. People want to speak to Imerkin or Rofianty, please feel free to do so. Um,
2: so, thanks. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, I'd like to thank the host. Um, and I'd like to thank the host community, and um, this is Baruch Hashem. I think the third time I'm involved with some link, I'm linked with link for the third time, so it's, like it's a chazak of being linked with link, Um I want to express my uh, appreciation for Rabbi Brand and what he does, and tonight we saw a clear sign of Ruach HaKodesh on Brand's part, how he guessed that we would welcome people, and give it to sh- it's a clear, must be Ruach HaKodesh or Shor of I, I have no other explanation for that. Um, and Rabbi Stern and Rabbi Levhart and I, you know, with all the people that, that I've, I've come to know. And Baruch Hashem, it's a wonderful thing, and I keep hearing wonderful things about it. Um, we have a mini-bashiva that we have Amlava Malka once a month um, in my house. And I was looking for, I wanted some sort of kvirs to discuss something. To do something on, different than a, a sheer, a shmuz, you know, it's a, the, the things, Matzah Shabbos has a certain flavor of its own. And mm-hmm. I decided, uh, uh, this is a few years ago, that we would do a biography of an autumn goddle whose site would be the next month. That became the kvias, and, and Baruch Hashem, you know, not, not every, it just doesn't work out every month, whatever, but by and large it's been gone for a few months. And if and, uh, a few years, it's and uh, it's something that I think is extremely important. People, the, you, the world is divided between somebody once said between the people who learn about Aaron Kardel's Torah and the people who know where Aaron Kartler was. But very rarely they overlap. So, learning in yeshiva, we actually live the words of Tamir Chachamim. But most people have a hard time knowing who lived when, what, where, and the people who do specialize in that they usually tend not to have ever learned any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a second fact that I think is very important is um, to, to try to understand where history comes from, I, I want to quote a Batchen. Reb Miller is a famous Ksiddush batchin, And he said, and I quote, I despise Batchanim that invent false stories. My habit is to invent true stories. That was, so it's, it, people like to look for sensational stories, and they like to look for, you know, Ripley's Believe It or Not. And most of the time, it's hard to say a story it didn't happen, but the question was, on what basis do you think it did happen? So you get a lot of stories that may or may not be well, but first of all, believing that it's, that happened, you know, the way they said it, and the biggest question is, how do you know? So again, Ruach HaKodesh, if, you, if you're on the Ruach HaKodesh track, then, then, then that, that's the answer. But if you're trying to... So I'm marked tr- each time I speak about a God whose answer is going to be to explain where I got my information from. Um, it should be written sources. It's impossible that we're talking about events that happened 900 years ago. It's impossible... That the stories were told over without becoming totally corrupted. When people speak about certain Torah Pair, Torah pair was studied in yeshivas twenty four seven in the big centers with a tremendous diok. So yes, we have the the, the the stories were told over when you had to put a kid to sleep, when you needed to speak for an audience. I, I, where 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 is the tushla? So, so I'm very so the best material is autobiographies. Now, gedolim were not in the habit of writing autobiographies, but they were. Um and Chuvasfarim are usually an incredible source for meaningful material about the, the struggles, the problems, the challenges of Adar, and, and, and certain and certain akudas that each generation was knowing in. So we're going to do the same thing about Sasham Rabinatam's yard site is it's next it's a week from from Sunday. And uh, the Altamuz, and I'm going to try to first of all sketch out a brief sketch of his life, and then go into some more detail. I, I I struggle a little bit with the following: the audience here seems to me of different different uh, backgrounds. There are some people here who must say the word Rabbinatam five times a day, and some people probably never heard of it. Uh, I will apologize if I insult people's intelligence by over-explaining. I'll apologize if I say things that. You just don't know what the words are. Feel free to ask and interject, but I, I just—it's hard for me to gauge, you know, if, if the audience. So I'm going to go. So let's go a little bit of a background. The, the 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 Gemara, as it stands itself, as it stands, is the Torah Shabbat peret we have. That's the Gemara. The, the the most definitive explanation of the Gemara is Rashi, who lived in the 1000s, in France. And that has become the first and foremost explanation of the Gemara. Now, once we have the Gemara with explanation, Talmud is huge. And there are a lot of areas that seem to be in dispute, not clear, all sorts of things like that. And the school that began asking those questions and giving the answers that are fundamental to understand the different sugyas the balitosas. Balitosas was started by Rashi's grandchildren. They were Rashi's grandchildren, of whom Rabbeinu Thomas one of them. And that became, for about 200 years, you had a, a, a school, a school in the broader sense of the word, of people learning the different sugas with each other, act, questions, answers, back and forth, and many of these balitosas wrote down their notes that they had. Probably all of them wrote down their notes. When they printed the Talmud, they began um, taking the person who printed it was actually a guy, and he was a guy who knew that Jews would buy books, and therefore he hired a whole staff to research what would be the best pirushim and kedushim. What would be what would be the best to publish, and um, and they came up with really good magiam, and they put different toisves on each masechta. So in other words, each mesechta had, um, a, a, a that they used his Tosfis as the main tosvis on that mesechta. There are many like Rabbi Lazar is many of them and Rabbi some of them. But by and large, on the side of every black Gemara, you have tosis, which is the beginning of our pilpul in Shas. And that is, um, the that is the foundation of, of learning Taira that we have. Rabbeinu Tam was a grandson of Rashi. Rashi had a few daughters. His grandchildren were illustrious. And the Rabbeinu Tam's older was a Rashbam. And the Rabbeinu Tam himself was probably the most brilliant. He was looked upon as the most chashev of all of the Balatosis. He's mentioned, I did a computer check, he's mentioned 3,000 times. In, 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 in Shas. Now, it, it could be the same place as Asnef, but, but it's 3,000, which averages to well over one blot. That's how is mentioned. He is considered to be the preeminent god of the Balatosphis, the, the Harif, and so on. That's a, a general background to, to who we're talking about. He was born in about 1100, and he lived in a small Fran- French, city or the, or the city village called Romro is the Hebrew. Romro is, 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 is the French pronunciation of it. It's a small hick village somewhere in the north of France. And that's where he learned with his father primarily and, and so on. Besides Taisvis, and this is where I get the material from, besides the Tosvis that we have, he didn't, we don't have any of his Tosvis. We have his Kedushma integrated. He put out two important spharim called Sefer Um Sefer HaYosher, one of them is Chidush Manchas, and we'll see soon what what the genre is like. And one of them is Tshuvah, um, that he wrote to people. There's another Sefer called Sefer Ha-Yosha, which is a Musa Sefer. It is not his Sefer. Um, it is written by somebody later, and it's, it's, it's mistakenly attributed to him. The one who actually signs off that it's a mistake is the Chidah. Chidah was one of the great um, bibliophiles in Klal Yisrael besides being Adam Gadol Admoid, his Shema Gdolim is the elementary work, Phosphorim and Gdolim, and he says it's not him. So all we have really as Chidushim such, and we have also Piyutim of his, are these Let's look at each one, and let's, and let's have a little bit of, a, of an understanding. His Sefer on a not wasn't, wasn't printed for a long time. It's a horrible mess. It's supposed to be Fesedra Ashas, it's out of order totally, Gersos are terrible, and so on. Uh, the for, uh but but it is, and he writes a hakdama that's very important, we'll talk about it. His um give us tremendous insight in his generation by the nature of the Shilas, and we're going to find some shocking facts about it, and also um, by the language that used to respond, he was a very shocked very critical and, and very and, and, and people were scared of him. You see the, 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 the way they, they were messiahs to him. He um, he himself made he lived mm-hmm. off he was a very successful business person. He he dealt he dealt with wine, which I guess in France was always a good business. And he dealt and he dealt with loans to Guy. I guess there were no nursing homes in those days, and, and real estate wasn't much. So that that was left for the Jews was the bars and the and the and the banks. That was it. You know, that was that was. But that was what he what he had. And he, and it's in the trubis. You have issues where he speaks about um, the different um, you know issues that arose. Goyim touched the wine. They moved the basket, the, the caskets, and so on. It, it's it's there. It's part of it. So, the, um, I want to first talk a little bit about his introduction to Sefer Yasher, the Chidushim. And because the introduction, he gives a certain statement which defines what he was about and so on. You have to understand something. If you ever try copying notes by hand, if anybody knows what notes are and everyone knows what by hand is, (laughs) if anyone still dates himself remembering, it is impossible to do it Accurately, there's no way a person can copy two, five, ten, a hundred pages of somebody else, not make any mistakes. Um, and then as it goes, it gets worse and worse. So people at that time had um, many, many, first of all, they didn't have many, many uh, uh, scrolls, many gemaras, because they're very expensive, it was handwritten. But if you had it, the chances were no two were exactly the same. And Knowing what a correct reading is was difficult. So there's the following temptation. A person would sit at Gemara and learn. And he would have a problem. So he would scratch his head and cross out something and write in, this is the way it ought to be. Now, um, sometimes it might be right. Sometimes it's just an easy way to get out of a problem. There's a, again, this is a, this is anecdotal, but they, were there, they said, Rab Chaim, it doesn't make a difference that he used to, there was one person in his town, Brist, that used to borrow gemaras, and had an annoying habit of writing in on the side his chidushim and signing off on it. And Reb Chaim lent him his gemara, and he asked him for gemaras, so Chaim was good-hearted, he said, but two conditions, no chidushim on the side, and certainly not signing off your name. So he comes to a Mishnah, it says, Chamor gomel. It's a mission about. It's not important. It has the word chamor gomel, which means a camel donkey. What it means is as if it's two animals pulling different directions. This person looked at it, says that must be a mistake. Crossed it out. Wrote on the side chamor gomel, a gray, a big donkey. Reb Chaim got the Gemara back, he said both conditions you were over on. You made a Girsa and you signed off on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the the, 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 nature of learning for many people was to, to just make Girsa. Which meant destroying basically Shas. And he writes, Sefer Yasha, and I'm going to skim through it, it's a, it's a, it, this is an introduction. Unusual, usually, for, uh, almost no Rishonim ever wrote introductions to the work, he did. He says, I call it Sefer Yasha. Sefer Yasha means the straight path because I I showed the straight path in all of the early, in, in the Gemaras. And the Gersos are appropriate because I saw the terrible uh, evil that people are sitting and they are changing the the, the, the text of the Gemara um and he uses some poetic terms. I, I, I'm, I'm going to just get to the, just this fact, and and thinking that the more you change, the better off it is. And even though Rabbeinu Gershom, who was at bef- at the turn of millennium earlier, cursed anyone that would change the text of the Talmud, they didn't. It didn't stop them. And not only did they did they you know side text, but even what the person said Mefurish, the person said Chayev, pata, Muta, Asa they also did and he says that's terrible he says my grandfather Rashi if he ever changed the Gersa he changed it in his own text in other words he didn't cross he wrote on the bottom he wrote I think that it ought to say this and this he did not allow for putting it into the text itself that was considered to be wrong. And the reason is because, yes, maybe somebody else is going to come along and somebody else is going to, um, someone else is going to come along and, and realize it's a perfectly good pshat. So Rashi writes, he said, however, certain unscrupulous um, uh, printers, who wrote a manuscript, actually changed the Gemara based on Rashi. And that's not what Rashi wanted to do, it's not what Rashi would have agreed to. And he said, I took a look in his own books. He never ever crossed out. And he said, um, a person is entitled to write notes as he wishes, as he understands, but to change the safer itself? He said, sometimes you don't, if you learn enough places, realize what is pshat. Um, and then he brings sources for it, and he says, I will show you a few places where um, people changed it, and you know, and then he said, "My brother, my older brother, Ravina Shmuel, it was the Rashbam. He wrote a commentary on parts of it. He said he changed twenty times as many times as his grandfather Rashi. How could he do something like that? They never erased s'farim. Very upset with that. And this goes on and on with it. And then he says, um, and and he says basically, I'm writing this safer to show you that there is no need whatsoever." to change Sparum, if you understand Pshat and you figure it out, you will be able to see Pshat even though it, it, at first glance it's difficult. So he says very clearly, and that seemed to have been, and, and let's think a little bit about it. If if we, if we think a minute about what happened in This is the, the geonim who had written a few, um, centuries before, they would just write like what Pshat is, when you sat down and you saw contradictions, the temptation to change the gears was great, and that be- started to become the direction of people going. Tom said, no, if you ask yourself contradictions and understand why it's not a contradiction, you're going to be able to understand both Gemaras will make sense, and you'll also understand a lot more. And this became the basis for our learning. I, I, I want to pause a minute. Um, there's, there's been always a kind of tension between scholarship, quote-unquote, academic scholarship and yeshiva learning, where an academic will only look and kind of, you know, it, it, it material, and not look at content, and therefore it's very easy to play with the text, but that's missing the whole point of the Gemara. The reason why you have a contradiction is because you don't understand it, and if you were to understand something. You would now get the whole thing. So Rabbeinu Tam, in this, in this, in, in this push, and he, it's a very powerful push, he cursed people who would change the text, mm-hmm. began the process of learning the way we learn, which means when you have a problem, you don't erase the Gemara. You begin to understand, and if I can give a marshal, it's like when you have something that's two-dimensional, they, they, they sort of contradict each other, if you understand it as a third dimension, so because there's another dimension, then there's no contradiction. When you understand another pshat, and you understand, well, it's more complex than you imagined. then you get yes. That was something that was extremely important. One, two. In this in his chuva part, he has a fiery, fiery debate. It's actually more one-sided, because. It's going, it's him against somebody. There was somebody who defers to him, but, but is upset, as follows. There were many halachas that they followed in France that to come from the Gemara. They did come from the Gaonim. They did come from Prince Rabbanim. They did not come from the Gemara. So this person repasked all those halachas and said, you know, let's disregard we have a Gemara and we will go we and we put the Gemara and not with the Gonim. He he has a whole list of these minhagim, and he's he fires against the person. He writes about him and he says um he says he, he brings it brings a lot a lot material. Then he says like this um our Minhug is and the minhagim bubble was made based on hamsesol, no. which is the, the Ikahoi And therefore our goonim and our bonosver are the ones we depend on. In other words, and he, and he writes this constantly, do you think you're smarter than the, than the Gonim?" The Gonim were the ones who knew, who understood. They had these huge they were the centers. If, yes, you're right, it's not like the gemara, there must have been a reason. And this becomes, and this is, and I'm going to point out a contradiction in a minute. He, he, so he, he goes very strongly on record defending the Minhogim of France and very sharply against the people who were trying to repaskin what with on. On the other hand, there's, there's a, in, in, in Gitten, um, there's a Riaz he, that brings from him that he was fired against a certain Minhag. And, and Rabbi Natham writes, let's find the lotion here. He writes that Minhag is Isis Gehenim. In other words, when you have a Minhag that, you know, people rely on a Minhag as get, how how do you understand the contradiction? So we could amend the text maybe and that that would be, that would, that would work. But I think what it means is as follows. He was talking about a Minhag that had no clear source. In other words, the Chaznish was very makpit. When a city had a minhag and there were no Chashver Abbanim that had been in the city, he discounted that minhag as being Amaratzis. A minhag means that the last guy down Fri Ahmed made a mistake. That's what it means. Or he was tired, or he was in a rush, or whatever it was. But when you had Chachamim, that, 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 that led a community, and this is what they believed in. This is what they passed in. So my question is, I don't understand where high ground is coming from okay so you don't understand in other words this person wants to take halachas psuchas of the gaonim and undo them because the gemara says not like that that he really was furious that the pshat is it's an amaratzis I don't say something you're bigger that there's a horniness that it's it's arrogance but if a person if a person just went to communion there was this minhagim then then then, then, then so what Somebody once, uh, I remember I heard this joke when I was young. I couldn't figure out what was funny about it, but I, I, I realized there was a, a, a there was a, a, Yid who came, there was a Stadtel Melitz. Melitz one of the million up in Europe. And a Yid came over the boat and he went to the Melitz says said, so someone asked him, what's doing in Melitz? What So he said, last year, by Hakafis, somebody was killed with the crush and all the people. He says, I, Baruch Hashem. He says what do you mean? He says we had a custom every year at least one person would get killed in in the, in our coffee with all the stuff, and I was scared. You know, in modern times these these minhagim become battle, So now Baruch Hashem the minhagim still lives. So so but so that that minig is gehenem ISIS gehenem afreya yes, but when you're talking about and this is and this is on and on, he, he, his his point is any halacha that comes to us based on the the dolagonim the dololam, that becomes halacha as such. Th that that's something there's a lot of that in his truvis that's a very his lotion is the gamkasafta in le shanosha minhog mipneh lag minog huge henem lemafreya and valtis of the damas and again I think that's that that's what he means over here. The um what were some of the problems and issues that came up? Um and you know, i I once saw a safer, the most common phrase used in a drusha is, you know, once upon a time, uh, things were good, wonderful, today is terrible, and so on. So there's somebody who wrote a book with a collection. He wrote this, say, for 100 years ago, with a collection what somebody wrote 200 years before him on how terrible his generation is and how good it was generation before. So that, that seems to be like a, a current thing about what was. Two things I'd like to, again, two, two halachas. There was a question, how to write, um, the, 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 he says like this, let's, let's take the easy one first. He says, it's been 10 years in our country that no one has mezuzahs. Now, I just make clear what he's talking about. The, the, the question was a rental. Uh, not, not a house that was owned, people rented, and they did not know the halacha. And therefore, they did not put mezuzahs in. Anyone who mezuzahs, and he says the whole country, people don't have mezuzahs. It's a terrible thing. But he writes, it's, it's been tens of years like that. That's an easy one. But there was a big question. If somebody converts, converts means he schmats, he becomes a goy, and he's writing a get to his wife, or, or she's having a get written, whichever one, whoever schmat, do you use the Yiddish name or the Gaish name? Somebody was Velvel and now calls up William. Which name do you use? Sabinatam so, you know, held very strongly that he used the Yiddish name. And but he writes. He says, He says, you know that all the Meshubadim, we, 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 we call them by bad names, like Yehuda, we call Yehudah. You know, the, the one who went off the Derech. Uh, Asherah, Asher, Menachem, M- Melachem. And he says, and nobody says. They call him Nobody knows he's called William Gilmer. It's probably it's a French Guillaume, Guillaume, Guillaume. And he says, and many Meshumadim divorced their wives, and they only wrote the Jewish names because that's how we call them. And he says, well, my own cousin, Rabbi Eliezer, my cousin, divorced his wife and their name was Vashelin and Bilchitz, that's that's the the, the names they gave him. we wrote Eliezer and Rachel. And he says there were, he says, 20 thir- or 30 couples, he says, recently um, got divorced, and Goyim, you know, the Mummer, and they shmad, and we all use his name. 20 to 30 couples. It's incredible. Now, it was tough times. The times were crusader times, so we're going to see something soon about it. And it was very, very difficult times. But understand, that's an incredible number. We're not talking about that many Jews. And he doesn't, I mean, he he, he doesn't, it's not, he doesn't write, uh, he he writes about it, not with with, with expressions of terrible shock. It it was almost, this is what they had to live with. So I I believe if, if I understand correctly the history, and again, this is more of a guess, it wasn't people who, a person who had a gun to his head and was forced to, to, to convert, I don't think this would be an issue. Um, they wouldn't have, I think it's people that they'd rather live as grain because it was just so tough. It was, you know, it was very tough. But, but you're talking about an incredible amount of people? 20, 30 couples, he said? It, it's an incredible number. Um, so, so he, so two things that, you know, when you talk about the good old days, ask the person, you know, if, if the good old days were when, when you had to face something like Shmad and so on. The, um, his, the time was a very, very difficult time. And I want to tell over a story. This is written by a contemporary safer. Um, it is, and again, that's why I feel very, very, um, comfortable saying it because it was written by a contemporary. The, um, the, the, the safer was written by a fry It was in the time of uh, those kufis. He wrote about, the Crusaders. There are a few works, somebody actually, a, a person put together a few sepharim about Xerus in, in there, and he writes about something that happened to Rabbeinu Tam. On the second day of Shavuos, the crusaders from France came to Remro, and they came to Rabbeinu Tam's house. They took everything in his house, they tore up a Torah in front of him, they took him out to the field, they spoke to him very harshly, and they said they're going to kill him. They wounded him five times because they said, you're the godland Kali and we will pierce you with the five times that our Lord was pierced. Mm-hmm. And they basically were going to kill him. Hashem was Merachim and a big, uh, some sort of knight, uh, some sort of official came by and, and Rabbi Antam called him and he bribed him. And he gave him a horse worth five scookim and the Sark went to these people and he said, Listen, leave him to me and give me twenty four hours to convert him. And if not, I will give him back to you and you can do whatever you want with him. So they left and that was the end of that. And you know, and they and they and they um, you know they they went on to whatever else they went on to. And he said and then he said uh you know the the um then he quotes, he writes about the other Kailas and so on. This, by the way, is something that uh, we need to bear in mind. W- w- you know, we learned the Rishonim. The Rishonim are really the heart of what we learn on, on the, in the um, in Shas. And they're written with such great, um, it, it, almost as if detached from anything, because just dealing with the material, you, you, you don't ever find as if somebody was, troubled, hurried, worried. I mean, this is Rishonim. And many of them suffered terribly. I mean, the, the, you know, it, 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 there, there's a lot written in there. Many of them, the Crusaders and then the Xeris in Germany and so on. It's, it's important to bear in mind um, really um, what conditions they were able to write thesis under. Then, um, so, so he, I mean, he, he almost was killed because of that. I, I want to finish off with um, two or three Um, ha-rochos, um I guess it, what peer evaluation of Abenotam. One is brought there's a sefer called Or Ha-chayim, which is a, a, it's a bibliographic work. which brings different um, a, a different Sfarim who wrote them, so on and so forth. He brings from a different sefer Yasha from me Polish. I, I don't have it. And it says like this, he wrote, Mi gala b'ine b'ine shlomo. R- R- Rashi, who, you know, who would uncover your eyes? It's an expression, it's a Gemara expression, meaning, if only you could see, your grandson goes to war against you. In other words, Rabbi asked so many questions and so much with, on Rashi. Most, most of the back and forth with Rashi. And I am sure that you're happy with it, because and that you are zoha to such a grandchild because a person is never jealous of a child and of a Talmud and this is who he is to you. Um, so an understanding that this is what Rashi would have wanted it's fascinating. There is another Tosvis that I would like to share. Um, before we get to the Tosvist may, uh, Tosvist says in Ksubis the um, there's a question there, if, it says when Rabbeinu HaKadosh died, he was so holy that, the Gemara says, kahuna was battle, that people, that kohanim um, womatame. It's a question what it means exactly. But Tulsa says over there, Reb Chaim Kohim, who was one about Tulsa, said, had I been around when Rabbeinu Tam passed away, I would have gone to the funeral and become Tomei because he certainly stands on that madrega That's an extraordinary uh, uh, evaluation of what it meant. The, 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 Thomas Coyne is not a light thing. Rabino Akkadosh is one. And he said the same in the town. Before I get to the final, I rock, I, uh, there's another one more piece about Rabbeinu Tam that was very unusual. Spanish gedolim, Spanish schools were into diktuk, poetry, etc., uh, grammar and poetry and things of that nature, and philosophy. The, the French Balatayisvists, Germans were into Talmud and Halacha, not much into philosophy, not much into Dikduk and so on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We're proud to carry on that tradition as far as Dikduk goes. Baruch Hashem, we we, we have a Messoris that uh, the um Rabbeinotam was unusual. First of all, he wrote an important work in Dikduk. And I'll explain briefly what it was. You know, we get diktuk on, on a, on a uh, sort of uh, pre you know, book, and that's it. There's a book of diktuk. The new book of diktuk came down from Sinai. You, you, somebody had to figure it out backwards, looking at the, at the Torah, Tanakh, try to figure out a diktuk. As Dikduk became more formalized, there was a major machlokus between two great grammarians, Menachem and Sarek, and uh, Demdonish ben Lebrach. Um, the main machlokus um, was about how to, what format do um, do uh, h- Hebrew verbs take on? Are they absolutely three-letter? Uh, is that the absolute format or not? Um, anybody who learns Dikduk today and is upset can thank Donish uh, for that. That's our modern Dikduk. space on that, Rashi brings both. Uh, many times, I-, I think they seem to favor Menachem Ben Sorek more. Um, Rabbi Netan wrote a sefer called Sefer Achras, which he sort of gives his input where he feels each one is right. Highly unusual for somebody in France; it was, it was not uh, the norm. It, 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 but he, was, he also wrote Piutip, a little bit different in Spanish than wrote P-U-tip. There's a very famous exchange. Again, this is recorded. Him and Abenezra. The Abenezra the came to Abenezra wandered terribly. And France was one of his stops. England is a Shiloh, it's a big machlokas, if you may made things, but France, he was there. And he came into contact with Ham. And there's this extraordinary exchange. He found a, a something, a little, a song that Rabbi wrote. He says, who brought the Frenchman into the house of song? And he came into into a, a into the royal house, into the, of, 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 of poetry. Like, who invited him in? Where's
0: this?
2: Where this? this? it's, 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 it's pretty famous. I, ha, I have it, it's, it's brought in a whole bunch of places. And um, there's a safe of it, all the P. U. Of, of, of Ebenezer has it there. It's, it's a, and he says, Velusha Yaakov Man. And even if his song is as sweet as Man, Anish Shemesh, <laughs> I'm the sun, and it says the moon melted with the sun. So I will make tenor to not with this. The um, the he responded to Rabbi Noam, and he said, "Avi, as the yeshivus, it's a commentary point. Ashe nosi did my gufav. I'm an I'm an eved lavrom va-koyde v'shtachul apot. And I'll bow to you." At this point, I think Abin Ezra had second thoughts. And he writes, "Is it appropriate that the prince of Klal Yisrael and and the Manhig should have to bow his head in a letter to a nobody?" The Balach should not be bowing to a, a An exchange between Klal Yisrael, fascinating exchange, and um, this was uh, a back and forth on it. I guess. Um, I would like to leave off with the, the last thing is what the Revash wrote about it. As somebody had, in, in was later in, in, Spain, and the Revash, somebody had caskined against Rashi and Aveenatam about something, and he was furious about it. Uh, the rivash writes a very, very strong truth against it, and he says like this, Tamora a the, the, Rashi, who's the great son, he, he, he shed light on the tide of Talmud. it would have been a, a, a work that would be inaccessible. And the second bright son is Rabbi Yaakov There was no one that has his power of pilpul f- f- since the Talmud was sealed. Talmud oruch b'fivishogor. He has the words of the Talmud on his tip of his tongue. Sinai v'koharim. He knows everything and is brilliant. of um, From his pilpul and depth of understanding and breadth of knowledge, chacham Every brilliant person is petrified. And, and he said, and you don't disregard and so on. In other words, and, and it, unfortunately, the word pilpal is used kind of derogatory for, for, no, for no really good reason. The word pilpal is, is part of Torah. Pilpal means to be able to take ideas that seem to contradict each other and understand the context in where each one operates. It, it is the basis of understanding and so on. So, uh, it, it, I mean Rabbi is um, is it, it's, it's a seminal figure besides on the personal godless there's not, not, not me nor anyone else could could give uh, evaluations and it 's not for us but to understand first of all, he began a process that is learning for us, in other words, Torah went Mishnah and the Mhnnais are the building blocks but they contradict each other, and, and not, sometimes it's hard to understand what it means, and the Gemara is the pulpit that brings out the meaning in the Mishnah. Once the Talmud was sealed, you had the Go'onim who explained it, passed it on, gave chuvus but we didn't have a key for being able to understand that structure to put conflicting um, sugis into place. Um, Rabbi Atam was the foundation, so he's coming off Rashi's grandfather and, and dealing with... Rashi dealt with explanations within the sugya. And even when Rashi took into account other sugyas, but he did it in a way without going... We, we, we have no way of seeing Rashi's logic. Rashi gave us the bottom lines, which is very important when, you, when you're learning and, and you, you, you're not holding it by it. Rabbi Tam's brilliance so illuminated that. Rabbi was a kanoi that the psokom we have you don't take lightly. And... and it's true on the one hand that Torah allows for debate, but Torah demands humility. And when you look at a tshuva of somebody who's so much bigger than you, you can write, halimud. you can write, I have this point, this point, but a person needs to have the right level of maker es mekomo. This is one of the problems. Um, you can't, you know, you need to, to size up, who am I? Where can I say something, and against whom can I say? If the Goni instituted a minhag, this was a tremendous kanoz of, of, of minhagim. When minhagim were founded by people who were gedoli Israel and we know that this is, they found that and these minhagim stand, then we need to express a lot of humility. We can express our um, lack of understanding, that's legitimate, but this is what it is. On the other hand, stuff that people do, is not a minhag, and it's a very important. It's a very important qualifier. Where did this come from? Ignorant people who didn't know what they were doing, and it became just a mishmash. Or gedolte that this is haruimachri, and that's it. Um, the um, and and the the the, the that he had. And you see, the, he, he was very very strong on, on people that he felt were trying to change her, and so on. The uh, and finally. The Mr. Nefesh that Rishonim dealt with, I mean, this was their lives. And, and this come out about every Rishon, there's a story of, of, of almost being killed or being killed. I, I mean, everybody was persecuted. Everyone, Ramban, Rambam, Kuzari, um, everybody. Everybody was, was lived a, a terribly difficult life. And they produced the works that are Nitzchitz and Klayosov. It, 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 it may be... It's the It's the snefish. I don't know, but it's something to be aware of. Our rabbi Natalia, we said, learn over, was, was, was almost killed. It was, you know, because uh, that was the truth step. Alkapanim, blessed it It's it, it, it's sometimes when you sit in the safe and we learn, we're so used to it. Sometimes it's very helpful to sit back and to say to yourself, you know, look at this person. Look look at this guy. Okay, If I be I Yes, please, please. Does have
0: a wealthy
2: man? It seems, yes, because the way he writes, he had, he had again, this is all from Mr. Truvison. He, he, had, he had servants, and he, he had his servants w- were doing mm-hmm. this, and he had them move this, and he, had, he said his friends were building a house. There seemed to be an awful lot of economic activity. So, so he is understood to be, there's one place that they say, it, it says he was wealthy. I am hard sometimes to get a sense of the shonos, but it's definitely accepted that he was that he was wealthy. Yes?
1: I have a friend in Yeshiva who was, I remember when I was learning, um, he, this was a while ago, that he he would try to reconcile all the Sefer Ayashers with the Balea Taisis. We find steers between what he wrote in the Sefer Ayashur and, and Taisis al-Ashas. Right. Do you have any insight in that? So, so, you what know,
2: it's you ironic. The Sefer Ayashur is a horribly... It's, I mean, the, the cursors are clearly wrong. It, it, it's one of the problems is a safer that wasn't printed for a long time or whatever it is. I mean, it, 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 just reading it, it it's, it's, not, it's not terribly readable, and it's very yeah. hard to understand. Yeah. So it's hard to know. It's, it's very hard to know, um, you know. The, 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 the trace was, was printed enough times and written enough times and, and in demand that we assume that the cursors are pretty good. But but a sefer like Sefer Yasher, look at it. It's 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 and it's also the, it's it's so out of order. Yes, he has a mesectis. The are not in order. In the mesectis itself is not in order. It, it it dovetails a lot with 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 what he says in Tyson, But you're like you're right. The I don't I don't know the answer. It's one of these. It, I don't know. By the way, if somebody wants to get a sense, I just it's an anecdote. I, I once worked a long time ago. Um, uh, I'm going back thirty years ago. I, I, I worked with a friend of mine, we we put out it was for a put current, we put out a balamor on shita and Trefis. There was a ksavyat, it had been printed by somebody who mixed up two kisyadas and just printed pages that didn't match up. I mean Kreb But we printed we, 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 we worked on it and the Balamar is Sakasha on a safer that that was written a hundred years after Balamor no. So again, if it would be Chsidash Yidnu, we'd say uh, <laughs> uh, We didn't have that. That terrace wasn't available to us. And we couldn't, for life of us, figure it out. There was another de Balamar. And then we, we realized what happened. The, the earlier one had this Kasha written in on the side. Now, when somebody wrote in something on the side of a manuscript, it had two possible meanings. One is it was missing the manuscript, and he wrote it in to be inserted, or he wrote his own personal chidushim on it. Th- that, those were the two things that they could mean. This person who owned this manuscript had written his akasha on something that was written afterwards. He, the manuscript was 200 years later, whatever, whenever he had written it, whatever was written, and he printed it. The person who copied over the manuscript thought that this was meant to be inserted. didn't know much, so he inserted it. So we saw the second Xaviat first, and and it just it was baffling. And said, the first one makes a lot of sense, and, and this was part of what the problems were. It, it, until printing came around, it, it, except uh, Sefer Torah, you put excruciating effort, and even then, today with computer checking, we're able to find almost every Sefer Torah problems. But but in, in, in those, Sefer Torah, you really, really, you know, you put excruciating amount of effort into it. But the, the less something was printed, your shalmi, the less people learned it, it there were more mistakes. Zvachim, kachim, if you take a look, there's a lot of, of you know, correction on the side. Because people didn't learn it so much, so there was less this in it. That, that was the, the norm. Well, yeah? But Tam was very into reconciling contradictions
0: in Sergius with Swaro. Right. But, what it, but that approach really was not always wub In other words you had other, let's say, the Rambam, and let's say, others would say, no, that's Sdera and Surya, it's Machlokas, right? And right. But how, how did that, like, the people, were they misnugged in explicitly the Abedin Tam approach of, whatever, let's call it, you know, the dialectical approach to...
2: I, I think, again, I, it's, it's 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 always hard to guess, with, unless you have something. I, I think there were, there were different Mahatham that developed and you take a look even like something like the the German Balotos and well much went to him like the Rush, like the Maron Rottenberg, much went to him than in the Shakh of um, even though the Shakh came before the Psek, Um There's definitely going to be different Mahalkim, but I think they lived, I think it tended to be, wherever it was a yeshiva, people in that area learned a certain, you know, there was a certain Mahalakh. There wasn't the interaction where you face off one against the other. The Rambam, actually, um, the Rambam had um, Hasidim in, in, in um, Provence. And they wrote to him, asking him and all sorts of Psakim And he wrote back, we have it. And sometimes his parents was, I had two sugis and this sugis seemed to be more stamilchis than that sughis. That That is something that the Rambam, um, hard to tell. You know, it, it, it's a... Uh, you know, there are stories. I, again, unver. I, I can't. I, the, the assumption should be not unless uh, unless you have a clear right, uh, Yes, I, you know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical on these things. There are stories that they met this. I'm dead. You know, <laughs> we don't have it. But but he writes to them and 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 he and he explains. Like he said, you know, they ask him from a gemara, and he said since his own place mentioned. And it's such a, my, my understanding is that the stomach of is not like that, and, and, and it can't be that's That's the, you know, in, yeah, I mean, okay, so,
1: so okay. <laughs>